For more than a decade, FTI has strived to become the leader in the aftermarket, performance, transmission, and converter industry. We've joined forces with McLeod Driveline Components under the leadership of Top Fuel Funny Car Pilot Paul Lee and now have a larger distribution network, more resources, and more power. Come see us in the pits and ask how you can join the FTI family. It's not cheating. It is the competitive edge. It's time for an inside look at the most powerful motorsport on the planet. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro. Hey everybody, welcome back. WFO Radio is back on the air following up Houston Raceway Park in the Spring Nationals, an event that can only be described as an epic final. Oh my goodness, how great was that? Erica versus Camry Caruso, the first all-lady, ladies-only pro-stock final round. Brittany Force going back-to-back, taking the win over Justin Ashley. And then Matt Hagen and explosive Bobby Bodie. Bobby goes on and uh, just shatters the body, but in the moment became a true funny car racer. We're going to speak about all of it with the voice of the NHRA. Alan Reinhardt will be joining us just seconds from now. But before we do that, I got to tell you about the people who make it possible for me to go WFO. And I'm talking about the folks at Phillips Connect. Go to the website, phillips-connect.com. All kinds of sensors for over-the-road tractors and trailers, especially for folks with fleets. Think about Amazon. Think about UPS, like that kind of style deal. They want to keep track of their trucks and trailers and tire pressures and all kinds of sensors. But it also works for people who sell trailers to racers, for instance. It is an enterprise business. So if you're looking for more information, go to Phillips Connect or phillips-connect.com, sign up and find out more information. But they, it's truly a technology business, and I'm super excited. Of course, Jim Epler, Mr. 300, big, big part of that company. And Justin Ashley, going to the final round, some heroics going on in that pit before the final round, swapping an engine in just a couple of minutes so that they could make the final. Also, Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology, totalseal.com, 40% of your engine's friction comes from your rings you can unlock the hidden horsepower by decreasing that number simple as that total seal has been an industry leader the industry leader in that if you're restricted by the rules say stock eliminator and you can't gas port your pistons they have a solution go to totalseal.com and the most recent episode of hidden horsepower features greg anderson and greg you know the greatest of all time the goat shares a couple of secrets it was a little tough couple of secrets and uh, some things about the previous pre-rev limiter days that I thought was amazing. Almost 12,000 RPMs, but I won't tell you exactly what he said. Totalseal.com also told you about VP Racing Fuels. Interesting stat that just dropped on everybody this weekend. Of course, Camry Caruso has Titan racing engines. But what kind of oil do they use? Who's their oil partner? And the answer is VP Lubricants. That's right. The Lubricants arm of VP Racing Fuels partnered with Caruso Racing and Titan Racing Engines to create an oil specific for them. And that's the kind of technology that you're getting when you use VP Racing Fuels, Lubricants, and fuel additives. So way to go, VP. And way to go, Titan Racing Engines, making their first final round since uh, Camry Caruso is the flagship of that team. And, of course, FTI Performance, FTI Torque Converters, Transmissions, they've got their own fluids as well. You don't have to go very far other than the Spring Fling Million to see how successful they and their products 
are. If you're a weekend warrior, if you're a big money bracket racer, if you're a dot 90 racer, by all means, FTIperformance.com. Hit them up. Tell them you heard about it on WFO. A little bit later on in the show, we'll tell you about samtech.edu, Frank Hawley's drag racing school, and Marvin Rodak in his coffeeandgrills.com. But right now, it's time to bring on the voice of the NHRA, Mr. Alan Reinhardt from Tucson, Arizona. What's up, AR? How are you? Hey, Joe. I'm great. I don't know why you were babbling about all that, you know, stuff that happened at Houston. I mean, the Super Street final. That was the one. Ah, Who cares about all that other stupid stuff? Those vets, Don Snow, Chris LeBlanc, and the vets. Two identical cars making it to the final round. I was like, are you guys buddies? He's like, nah, not really. Yeah, it's like a 65 and a 66 hardtop Corvette, one red, one blue. It was just cool. I mean, to uh, to watch those two guys go both through the field and, you know, sit. The, I just particularly like that because they are real Corvettes, not like the carbon fiber copies that everybody runs in the road. Not that there's anything wrong with those cars, but just a real classic Corvette that's been being raced for however long they've been being raced. And for the two of them to make it to the final is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, the cool car factor, right? Like the racing and the competition and all of that, that's big. But like those two cars just sitting in any parking lot in America would draw a crowd, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. If you, you know, if you have any interest in, in classic old cars, that, you know, there's, there's always going to be somebody that goes over and goes, oh, my God, look what they did to that classic Corvette. But they probably did it 45 years ago when nobody was thinking about someday this is going to be a classic Corvette. They're just thinking about, hey, this is going to be a race car, and that's what we bought it for. That's what we're doing with it. So, But I just – anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there to start the show. Might as well start with the like, really cool cars, even if they aren't the really fast cars. There's no such thing about too much publicity for Super Street. Not on WFO radio. Super Street really – because the cars are – unmolested they're heavy they're whatever they were there's a wild variety and uh super excited about it and we'll have super street again this weekend as we head to z-max dragway for the four wide national super excited about that uh fabian out there he's going to be part of the team everybody's checking in alan what a race right sellouts across the board the final rounds, Bobby Bodie, uh, just unbelievable. But I, I got to start in pro stock. I am a pro stock fan. I love pro, stock. pro stock has the fight. It's harder for pro stock to garner attention, right? There's no fire. They don't run 300 miles an hour. Uh, you know, you can't hear them a mile and a half away. But when Camry Caruso is number one qualifier and – I'm I'm not feeling great either, Alan. So I don't know what. I, I just took, I think I poured some water down the wrong pipe. I thought I had some. I thought I'll take a drink of water, and get rid of it, and then made it worse. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> that that happens from time to time. But uh, you know, wow, we were all thinking a Camry Erica final round at some point <laughs> way down the road after Camry gets used to the car and everything. That would be exciting. Nope, happened the fifth race in, and it lived up to the hype. Wow. Well, I was a little surprised that the first time they raced was in the final. I really assumed that they would bump into each other somewhere, you know, second round semifinals uh, along the way. But Camry qualified number one. She made the best run on Friday night. And that thing was blistering in the middle of the racetrack. I'd, I'd love to have Jim tell me what he did as far as gear ratios for that thing when he was running second, third. Uh, and I'm sure he wouldn't. But that's what got them the number one qualifying spot. And then since it was a little bit warmer on Saturday, uh, it wasn't, not, wasn't possible for anybody to take it away from him. 
racetrack ended up qualifying number two. Of course, they had a little minor incident Saturday night at the top end of the racetrack where Erica's parachute caught in the back of Camry's car. After Camry stopped short, Erica turned, and I'm not placing blame on either one of them. It's one of those things, right? Parachutes catch a car from time to time. Um, so they had a little moment down there, and then the fact that they came back the next day and marched through the field. And it wasn't just the first time two women raced in a final. It's the first time two women have ever raced head-to-head in pro stock. Uh, Erica and Grace Howell were in the same quad one time a few years ago at ZMAX, uh, but that's the first time that two women have raced head-to-head in a two-wide race. Wow, which, which that's, that's it. That was history, and it worked out so great with uh, it coming in the final round and uh, just amazing. Like, we could probably analyze or overanalyze that race uh, again and again, but I, I got to say, like, you know, what's, what's the right thing here for Erica to close out at Houston, the track where she got her start with the win in super gas, the track that she ran junior dragsters at. She's got so many of her friends and family in the stands like that seemed like the, the racing gods right thing in the moment. But Camry got off the starting line first and uh, and obviously had some problems in the burnout reasons why I do not know. But Erica Enders wins in Houston, you know, the place that they call, you know, their house, and they got the job done. Well, it could have gone a lot of different ways. And sitting and looking at the final four, you know, I'm kind of going over, okay, this would be cool, this would be cool, this would be cool. Um, Camry beat Greg in the semifinals by six ten thousandths of a second. If Greg wins that race, then it's Greg and Erica in the final. And wouldn't that be a story, right, that she has an opportunity to deny his hundredth winning the last race, or he has an opportunity to win his hundredth in her home track and deny her that thing. I, I, that would have been a heck of a story. If Camry wins the race in the final, I also think that's a heck of a story because that would piss Erica off, whether she'd admit it or not. She probably would have at that point. And for the rest of the time, I am hoping that six, eight, ten years from now, Camry and Erica's a rivalry that is still going on, something that we're still talking about, kind of like the Greg and Erica thing that we've been doing now for the last 10 years. And wouldn't it really spice it up if you could go, well, remember the first time they met? And that would, I think, have set the tone for the whole rivalry. So I don't think there was any way that could go wrong from a storytelling standpoint. Uh, you know, we had an angle on it no matter which way it was going to go. And I think, as you said, you know, it poetically, Erica winning the last race at her home track. Uh, and she said, she made no bones about the fact, you know, she was a little late in the final. But she said, when she did her burnout, she looked up at the, at the Sunoco Vision and saw Camry muff the burnout. She said, I knew she never did a burnout, didn't get across the starting line. I thought her transmission might be broken. So I just went up there and went, don't do anything stupid. She can't beat you with a wounded car, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, whatever it was in Camry's car, and I hadn't, I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody and ask, but whatever it was prevented it from doing the burnout. Uh, didn't help it going down a racetrack because she slowed down a tenth plus from where we expected her to be, and that just left the door wide open for Erica. So Erica, being Erica, you know, she's not just like she's a great racer under pressure. She's a smart racer that understands this is the situation. This is what I need to do to win the race. I'm going to go out and do that, and I'm going to go out and win the race, and that's exactly what she did. Yeah, Dave, David Knapp is out there, and, you know, why do we need to pick Oh, Dave, 
Yeah, he's he's a loyal listener, man. David Knapp, which is awesome, obviously from English Town, and he's also a fellow Floridian, South Floridian. Now, and you can tell by his photo. It's his fault we have. It's his fault we have junior dragsters. If it wasn't for Dave Knapp, Erica wouldn't even be a pro stock racer. That's it's true. on you, Dave. It's all on you. But he's hanging on the beach right now. He's, you know, watching on his phone. But it's great to have David Knapp out there and, and active, too, because uh, he's got like a lifetime of drag racing experience. Right. But he says, why do we need to pit women against each other? Just competitors. Yeah. But it's a historic first time ever. Uh, you know, the 10th time they race. Fine. The first time they race. The second time they race. Once they both get a couple of shots in, I was feeling a lot of interesting uh, you know, thoughts about because I was here when Greg Anderson said, I don't want to be the first victim of Erica. I remember that yeah. Greg took a lot of heat from that. And I just thought to myself, like, that's probably how Erica feels about Camry right now. Like, that's just the and, and, and they are just I asked her and point blank when we were out on the stage, I point blank. I told her, I said this on the PA up in the tower. I said, I don't know if you'd admit it or not, but you do not want to be that. And she said, I'm not going there. I remember what Greg went through. I remember what she said. I basically want to win every race I'm in. She says, I'm not going there. But yeah. it's true. We all know it's true, whether she'll admit it or not. <laughs> Nobody wants to be that person, especially her. And Dave, as far as your question, why do we make a big deal out of it? Because we can. It's as simple as that. Right? How much noise did NASCAR make every time Danica ran top 20? You know, how much yeah. would IndyCar brag about uh, Janet Guthrie or whoever's in, you know, hey, look at us, look at us. We've got women that come over. Oh, Alan is frozen. Alan is frozen, guys. Mid-thought, let's give him a second to clear up. It's history, says Michael Gunter. All right, Alan is frozen. That is unfortunate. Oh, now he's back. back. Yeah, you're okay. back, baby. You're back. Okay, I'm David blaming. Knapp. I'm blaming you. I'm blaming you for that. Where did you lose me? Uh, because we can. And if IndyCar, because we can. Two, yeah, because two female yeah. drivers of IndyCar had two female drivers battling for the victory. You think that would be would be number one on ABC World News tonight? We can. So yeah, we can. It's a big story. And we should. That. I think the fact that women compete head to head with men in NHRA and when is something that we should trumpet as loud as we can you know if, if one thing that you know erica has always said if if a little girl wants to use her as a role model bring it you know she's worked hard she's paid her dues she's got a lot of success now because she's worked hard and paid her dues and if there's a little girl out there that thinks you know hey that's cool i want to be a race car driver erica's living proof that you can do it and not just show up and be a token in the field but you can do it and be a champion in the nhra Absolutely. And then many layers. And Erica is going to be on the show. We're going to speak with Erica about it. Pro Stock is not in action this weekend. And so we do have a little bit of time. And, uh, you know, Erica's like, are we on? You know, we doing it this week? And I was like, look, it's a short week. So tomorrow, here's the deal, everybody. 12 noon Eastern, we're going to have Matt Hagen and we're going to have Steve Johnson. We're working on figuring out how to get Brittany in there at some point. Uh, Brittany's available around 1.30, which, you know, we may or may not be able to do that. Um, but don't worry. We're going to catch up with Erica as a lot of this has sunk in. I got to tell you, though, Alan, you know, that little incident that they had on the top end. Like, I can understand, like, the, the, the rivalry aspect of it. But at the same time, I can't imagine Erica doesn't see her own journey in Camry. 
right? Here she comes. She's coming in. And uh, are they going to do to Camry what they did to me, right? And you hear that word, they, because Erica has gone through a lot of negativity. There's been a lot of positivity as well. But those negative people, you know how it is, Alan. Like, uh, you go to buy a product. There's 10,000 good product reviews, and there's five bad ones. You want to read the bad ones. Like, what did the negative people think about this product, right, even though there's only five? It's just something about the power of no that uh, that people have. And I don't know. I felt like I saw Erica kind of nurture Camry in that moment on the top end of the racetrack when she got a little upset. And, you know, that was the I, second I moment. That was the second moment. Yeah, the second moment. Right, exactly. So we'll we'll see how this develops. And obviously, we'll talk with Erica about it. And Erica has always been so great to, you know, talk about everything when she comes on the show. So stick around in the next couple of weeks. We'll have I, I will tell you this from, you know, all of the years that I spent down there at the top end. And, uh, um, you know, I wasn't obviously there for this when we had cameras on it at the end. But there were uh, there was an exchange originally. And then Erica came back over and they had a second exchange, which is the one that we saw. I don't think it had anything to do with the fact that it was Camry. I don't think it had anything to do really with the fact that it was Erica. It had to do with the fact that a parachute caught a car at the top end, which happens from time to time. And the driver of one car looks at the other one and says, what the hell are you doing? And the other driver says, what do you mean me? What the hell are you doing? And they have a moment because they just finished a run they've got a lot of adrenaline going on they've got everything happening and now something negative happened to my race car and i'm at it, the other person for it and then you take a breath and you calm down and you go hey you know sorry about that i'm okay you're okay and it's over but there's a moment and then there's a moment exactly and i was down there when vincent nobile ran over jason line's parachute in gainesville and that now, was that's way other yeah, that's it was, on purpose. What that Jason no, got I'm, mad I'm at telling you, if you run over somebody's parachute, that's almost never an accident. You'll go, "Oh, sorry, didn't see him." But yeah. if <laughs> Troy Coughlin one time came out and he said said something about you know he says, "I think he and Ricky Smith were something," to, and I said, "What'd you do about it?" He said, "I ran over his damn parachutes." I said, "You know," and he said, "Yeah." He said, "You don't do that on accident." He says, I ran over his damn parachutes because I want him to understand I'm not happy with what he did, and that's how I'm sending the message. Wow. Well, we'll see how this all plays out uh, as time goes on. Now, we've got a couple of questions in the comments section here about the uh, – and uh, Mark Caruso posted a letter from the NHRA to the team about an intake manifold. So let's go, go back and remember that the Titan racing engines used to be gray racing engines. And these are the mm -hmm. engines. There were four of them that powered Tanner Gray to a world championship. And they've gone through them and updated them. And, you know, Stevie Johns and the team over there have done really well. Um, but there is an intake manifold that they will no longer be able to use after a certain point. And so people are wondering, like, what, is, what does that all mean now? And what does it mean, you know, with the intake and what's going on? And, you know, what, what it, how do you view that action by the NHRA? Uh, I don't know enough to answer that question. I, the only thing that I can assume, and I'm reasonably certain on this, is that something in the manifold is a little bit in the gray area of the rules. Now, if it was a black and white issue, it would be impounded, fined, car disqualified. That's what they would do if you had an illegal part. Uh, my thought is something that they did 
stretched the rule to the limit and maybe beyond and jury went yeah that's really not what we meant um yeah, I understand the interpretation, but, and so, you know, they're basically pulling the leash back on them a little bit. Uh, the fact that they didn't uh, impound the parts, the fact that they didn't disqualify the car tells me that it is not a cheating issue in any way, shape, or form. And I don't know, I was going to ask, but I am curious, 100% strictly my opinion here, and uh, I think, or I, I'm thinking, it may have something to do with the location of the injectors because the throttle body is mandated. You will use this, you will not modify it. And if it's modified, that's black and white illegal, that's a problem and they would be making big noise about it. Uh, there is not a rule as far as the intake manifold, plenum size, runner length, or any of that, except there is a rule about the number of injectors and where they can be placed. And it doesn't say the injector must be placed right here within 12 thousandths of an inch. Da, da, da. It says each injector has to be in this window. And my thinking is that the injectors are on the edge of the window sill instead of being in the window, making them not cheating illegal, but just far enough on the edge of the rule that uh, NHRA is going to snug the rule. That's strictly speculation on my part. But from what I think I understand about how they make manifolds and what the rule says, uh, that kind of makes sense to me. I was planning to reach out later on this week uh, and see if I could find out because, as you said, ProStock is not in competition this weekend. But when we see them again, I would like to know what the story is, and I would like to be able to just tell everybody, this is what it was, this is what they did to fix it, and I have, I don't think they're going to change performance two thousandths of a second one way or the other. Because again, if what they were doing was something that was blatant cheat in the performance area, that would have been a big stink. And what NHRA said is basically, oh, we see what you're doing, stop, you've gone too far. Right, and I'm looking at NHRARacer.com, and normally they post actions against participants up on there. And there, uh, I don't. There wasn't one. There wasn't one, and that's the thing. Mark Caruso chose to share the letter on his social media. Uh, without that, I don't know that we would know, right? Um, because they can even run it for a little while. So uh, interesting stuff. But uh, busy weekend for Erica, throwing out the first pitch at the Astros game, going to hang out with the Dash soccer team, like hanging out everywhere, and then drives home the point uh, on this first all-female final. That's three why, out of five why, wins. Why, why you got to be mean? Why you got to bring up the first pitch? See, I haven't seen it. That, until it right now. The only thing I know is the way you're characterizing it. Like, I, I saw a still photo that was like this. That's all I know. Did it go poorly, Alan? I, I haven't I haven't watched it. Well, uh, let's just say they didn't invite her to training camp next year. Uh, and you also have to remember, and I'm not making excuses for her, but she did just have elbow surgery. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that she was honored to be asked and certainly honored and wasn't going to not do it. Uh, but she wasn't invited to training camp. Listen, what she should have done is done the, the well, the ladies' fast pitch softball deal, the underhanded thing that is very now, then, hard. Then everybody would pile on the whole, oh, look at the girl thing. And uh, no. No, 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 I don't think I could get a hit off one of those girls. Those fast pitch underhand softball girls can whip it. 
That's what I'm saying. But anyway, bottom line, Erica did a good job representing the sport of NHRA drag racing. You know, in my opening like monologue, I did not mention Steve Johnson in Pro Stock Motorcycle. I just want to get that in because I love the bikes. Let's talk about them next. We're going to build up to the Nitro ranks, guys. We've got a great audience out there, by the way. Thank you, everyone, for sharing the show out there on YouTube and spreading it out on your social media while we talk about this. But before we do, any final thoughts about Pro Stock you want to get in there? Um you know, before we move on, the Koretskis buying Maple Grove. That happened since the last time you and I spoke. That is just great news. Super excited that those guys are going to build the, you know, the giant super mega jumbo track, uh, whatever they're going to build. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's that that place is going to, you know, it, you are going to see their influence immediately and you are going to continue to see their influence. Uh, Kenny has got a long term plan for improvements and things that he wants to do and things that he wants to, they, uh, they have got a, a long-term plan to upgrade a facility that has been a huge part of NHRA for a long time. And I mean, let's be honest, Joe, we both love the place. We've talked about it how many times, right? The performances and, it, and the, the feel and all the stuff, uh, but it is starting to show its age in a few places. And there are some things that need to be updated and Kenny's gonna take care of a lot of that stuff. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. The only other pro stock note, and from the, you know, so you think this is easy file, Troy Coughlin, right? I mean, holy smokes. Yeah. He's got a, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I, where's his car again? I mean, it's, was it it's not brand new it's kind of sort of well i, I don't know you joe has a well, scale for when cars. your car's brand new and when it's kind of new and when it's sort of new and when it's and then when it's just an old used up shoe and i don't remember exactly where troy's was but it's some uh, towards the top it's about to no longer be brand new anymore with 20 runs <laughs> uh 20 runs kind of like bobby Bodie. He's not brand new anymore as he's a 20-year-old, right? Like 20 is ah, the number, okay. man. 20 is the number. By the way, Jim Yates out there. What's up, Jim? Jim Yates is coming on WFO, folks. We have already, like, we're working on the scheduling. Jim and his people, me and my people, we're trying to figure it out because we want to get Yates on here for a sit-down and uh, talk pro stock. But Jim Yates, awesome weekend for Camry and the team. Hey, Great job. Hey, Jim Yates, before you come on the show, bring your gear chart from Friday night because everybody in the pits wants to know what your second, third, fourth gear was. That thing was moving from 60 to 330 feet, and that's where that's where it got the number one qualifying spot. Anyway. Yeah. No, well, and that was impressive to me because Camry had been off for a few weeks, jumps right back behind the wheel, first run out number one. Um, and to me, that shows that she has gotten to a good place as a professional driver in pro stock. Super uh, excited about that. But uh, thanks for watching, Jim. And yes, Jim, going to be on but the show. Just, just to finish up on, on the Troy Coughlin side of things. I mean, that is an elite house car and never got into third gear. Uh, you know, they had an air leak on the first one that actually blew a, blew the hose off the air bottle on the first one. So you are not making a run in one of those cars without air, period. So they shut it off and pushed it back. And then they had two other opportunities and get, didn't get it down the racetrack. And I just think that you, know, you don't have to be a hardcore car. You know, there's a lot of people that look at top fuel, look at funny car and go, wow, those things are awesome. You know, a pro stock, it's slow, it's easy. And I think that's living proof of how difficult it can be when you have this big a problem that you can't quite track down and it doesn't show up by your car being this much slow, it shows up in Troy Coughlin's case for the car that wouldn't get off the starting line. Uh, I, I am reasonably certain that they're glad to have this week off 
so they can go put another 40 runs on that thing, at which point I guess it's uh, it's newness chart. It'll make another Joe's got Exactly. Uh, Joe has a chart. I don't even have it. But uh, because I think that shows, you know, the number of times when people get out of the car and go, man, this ain't easy. Uh, from the grandstands, a lot of people look at it and go, sure it is. We're watching. It looks easy. But I yeah. think that really shows. And I think we'll be back. You know, I don't think. I know when we get Pro Stock back on track in a couple of weeks, Troy is going to have a chip on his shoulder. When you win the baby race, everything else is, goes to the back burner, Alan. That's what it was. <laughs> Aubrey won the baby race, and that's it. But, you know, that's all that mattered that weekend for Troy Coughlin Jr., uh, the baby race, the really the headline of the whole thing. Everybody out there saying what's up to Jim Yates now, and he's taking over the show. I've got your hero card. Roger Richards is out there saying he can barely hear me. Roger, I'm not going to talk any louder. I'm sorry. Just turn up the hearing aids because you'll be good. Uh, no one else has complained about the audio, and Reinhardt is crystal clear. And really, let's face it, everyone tunes in to hear Reinhardt. So let's talk about Pro Stock Motorcycle. Not, not to see Reinhardt, certainly, but to maybe to... You know, see if my motorcycles are still here. My motorcycles are still here. So we're both we're both having a little bit of a challenge day to day. Uh, and some are going to be like that, but we're going to soldier our ways through. That's it. That's what you do. You just soldier your way through. Karen Stouffer, number one qualifier in uh, Pro Stock Motorcycle. Tim, the Torpedo Man, which was then changed to Tim, the Torpedo, which then proved to not be true later on in the race as Karen was kind of getting a little sideways. Uh, Matt Smith goes to the final round against Steve Johnson who really dominated the event, setting both ends of the track record, his first 200-mile-per-hour run, and uh, and that's that. So let's uh, I'll, I'll start working on my, my, my audio, guys, with uh, digital stuff. Some other people saying my audio is low. I'll, I'll crank it up, baby. Now, for me, it's, like, way loud now, but you guys are saying it's low. I'll try to crank it up. But anyway, Steve Johnson, hard work pays off. This guy is living proof. He had a dominant motorcycle on Sunday. Uh, he had a pretty darn good motorcycle on Friday and Saturday, but on Sunday he had a dominant motorcycle. Ended up setting the track record and setting the track record and setting the track record again. Uh, you know, 671, six on what was light from the conditions that we had down in Gainesville. And that really makes me think, if we could go back to Gainesville and give everybody three runs just to find their sweet spot, what would we have actually seen? Because, you know, Karen and her team nailed it right out of the box and crushed everybody. Uh, Steve has got a bike that certainly can run with anybody. He deserved the win. Uh, had the best motorcycle. Did a good job riding it. The big thing, and I'm, you know, I've still got 59 emails. Uh, is, if you follow Joe on, on social media, you know that yesterday was not uh, the friendliest travel day in the world to get out of Houston. And... Uh, my issues weren't as big as his, neener, 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 but I did get a cancel flight delayed and moved back in it. So my, I'm behind on my email answering is what I'm getting after. But uh, one thing that dominated my was, how can Matt do that? That's not right. That, they should have never let Matt do that. When he rolled the Buell out for the final round after he had been racing the Suzuki all day long, when he won in the semifinals, he said, to Amanda at the top end interview. He said, this bike is going away. Something's wrong with the engine. It's going slower and slower. I don't know if I can fix it. And then he showed up for the final round and he had his championship Buell that he rolled out of the trailer. Now, for those who want to know, and I've answered this times in my email box and I think I've got a few more to go. It all stems back to the 1997 Eddie Hill rule is where it started. When the rule said, you must race the same car you qualify, period. 
if you crashed a car on Friday in qualifying, you could enter a new car on Saturday, but you basically withdrew all your times and stuff and started from scratch. Eddie Hill crashed a car on Saturday, and if I'm not mistaken, he was the number one qualifier. But even though he had a perfectly good spare car, he was not allowed to run it because it was not the same car he qualified. Well, after that incident, NHRA got together with the, with the team owners with it and went, you know, we need to change that rule. Things are a little different now than they were back in the past. If you've got a spare car, if you've got a backup car, there's no reason for the fans to not get to see you run just because you had a problem on Saturday. So the rule at that point changed. If you needed to make a change before race day, you could roll a backup car out of the trailer. You would keep your qualifying spot. You would keep your time. You would keep everything. You could run a backup car on Sunday. Then on Sunday, we started getting into tighter and tighter TV times, tighter and tighter turnarounds. NHRA got together with Pro and said, can we make this happen? What's the best way to make it happen? What's the safest way to make it happen? Because certainly when you're trying to turn around a nitro car or a pro stock car, you know, pro stock guys may not have to tow the motor out of that thing, but they've got the transmission out every run. They've got the clutch out every run. They're probably changing gear ratios three times a weekend. And, and so there's a lot of work, even if you're not rebuilding the engine, is what I'm saying. You can't turn a pro stock car around in 15 minutes. So NHRA and pro got together and said, how do we do this? What's the right way to do this? One of the suggestions came out was we need to be able to bring out a backup car if the circumstances warrant, okay? Let's say Bobby Bodie had won that round and that was the semifinals, okay? Now, in 45 minutes, putting a spare body on is easy, but what about the wiring? What about the airlines? What about all the stuff in the about what about how safe is that car gonna be coming up to the starting line wouldn't it make more sense if you want me back on the starting line in 45 minutes after an incident to bring my backup car out? It's set up, it's perfect. I can have it ready to run in 30 minutes and we go. It's not an advantage. It's not like, well, you know, you've got six runs down the racetrack in your car and I just got one out that hadn't been there. It's not like I've got a big advantage on you. It was done for safety and to keep the show going. And because if you have something wrong that caused your car to blow up, we don't want you to thrash it back together and blow it up again just because you didn't have time to diagnose everything. So that would came into effect. The question then became, okay, who decides when it's okay, right? When, who is gonna go, is NHRA gonna send one of their tech inspectors or is Ned or Glenn Gray or somebody gonna go down the pits and go, oh no, you can fix that. We're not, we're not there. No not so what nhra said is you decide if you see the need to bring out a backup car during eliminations it's on you you can change one time you can't run one car first round another car second round go back to the first car for the semi-final no you can make one change during the course of the day that's it and it has to be a car that has not been on the racetrack this weekend okay matt could not go back and get on angie's bike and run the final just because Angie was out of competition in the first round. But Matt had his championship mule in the trailer and the rules for the cars are the same as the rules for the pro stock motorcycle and pro the rules for the nitro cars are the same for pro stock two and four wheel. Matt went back and he looked and he had just assessed. He said, I can't win the race on that bike. I've got a motorcycle up there that's better that maybe could win the race. I'm getting it down. So he would have called NHRA tech and said, I'm bringing out my backup bike. They go over, give it the old go, 
And he puts it together, warms it up, brings it up for the final round, and then Steve kicked his tail anyway. But that's the rule. That's why Matt was allowed to bring out the backup bike. And it's the same for anybody else. If, you know, the, the classic example that everybody remembers is Steve Torrance in Dallas a couple of years ago when he crashed. On, wasn't he racing Richie Crampton? I think. Anyway, he crashed. He won the round. The car was completely destroyed. Everybody remembers that, right? If you don't, just Google Steve Torrance Dallas crash. And that was in the second round. He won the race. They got the backup car out of the trailer, put it together, because they darn sure weren't going to fix that one. They, you know, I don't think they could have found all the pieces in 45 minutes. And he came back up and was allowed to continue to race by bringing out a backup car. In that case, everybody saw the crash and went, well, of course he went to a backup car. But as I said, NHRA not going to get into the game of deciding yours is okay and yours is not. So they told the teams, if you feel the need to bring out a backup car, have at it. You can do it one time over the course of the weekend. Matt did. Uh, it didn't pay off, but I applaud the effort. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to hear it all going down. And in the end, though, Steve had a great weekend. And Steve told us some interesting things in the media center about valve springs and how they're developing their own. And, you know, the old Matt Smith hobby racer comment still lives. Like, that is right here in Steve Johnson. But in a good way, like I think and, 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 you know, Steve, I don't know, would ever admit that Matt was right. Like, you know, he was, was Matt right? right? Matt Absolutely. was right. But now Steve Johnson has fully adopted Matt Smith tactics and sure. is building and designing and making. And now Steve Johnson is not a hobby racer anymore. And as much as Steve wants to say, you know, people who are hobby racers have a job and they're doing something else. And they're like, you know, but in the end, Matt Smith motivated Steve Johnson to this success. And Steve found another gear that maybe he didn't know existed and we're seeing it. And maybe Matt Smith wishes he didn't say that or, you know, or he's happy because he, he wants to race against fast guys. But it's amazing to see what a little additional motivation can do because Steve Johnson and you know, that monster cylinder head that was now approved. It was his, he got his first 200 mile per hour run. There's a lot of things that happened this past weekend for Steve. He's going to be on the show tomorrow, guys, like 1230, right after Matt Hagen. And so stick around if you want to hear Steve. Uh, he's going to have to kill an hour with me between Brittany Force. <laughs> if we get Brittany, it's going to have to be at 130. You think Steve can kill an hour? I don't know. I think you may need a cane before the, at the end of the hour to finish it. I do think, though, and I, I honestly think he'll admit it. I think Steve now understands the difference between professional and hobby racer. And I don't mean any disrespect to any of the other racers, but when it is your full-time job and you put full-time into it, because racing was Steve's full-time job, okay? It's not like he was out running another business or running a company or doing something. Racing was his full-time job, but he spent his time going to sponsor events and cruising people and making appearances and doing it. He didn't spend his time spending every waking moment trying to make his motorcycle faster. Once he took all of that effort and spent it trying to make his motorcycle faster, look at the difference it made. And that's exactly what Matt was saying. He's saying, look, I spend every hour, every minute, every day trying to make my motorcycle faster. And when my motorcycle is faster than everybody else's, it's because I made it that way, and it felt like a couple of times that he was being maybe unfairly penalized 
simply because he was working harder than the others. And that's where the comment came from, and that's where it started. But I think Steve, I don't think, I know for a fact, Steve now understands fully the difference between a full-time designated racer that all he cares about is how fast can I make my machine go and a guy who's just showing up at the racetrack. Which is great. And, uh, you know, Steve is not like a, you know, young guy. He's a middle-aged guy. He's more than 20, Alan, but less than 60. And, uh, you know, he, he learned something new. He changed. His, he changed. Steve Can changed. you just give me a copy of that chart just so I can keep track of? More of an algorithm than a chart, but oh, that's fine. Uh, I'll, send it, I'll send it over. All right, let's talk Nitro now because we got a great audience out there today. Welcome to WFO, guys. Thank you for watching and sharing. You picked our best day ever to watch your very first WFO radio show. Thank you so much. Uh, top Fuel, Brittany Force. Wow. Brittany, whole shot victory over Justin Ashley in the final round. She's 41. He's 74. Uh, he outran her by 4,000. They had a thrash in the pits, but to me, the Britney Force is driving better than she ever has. Storyline is the storyline that I want to push forward. Like we all know that David Grubnick and Max Savage and that team, they know how to run fast. Britney has always been the, I wouldn't say weak, but weaker link, right? Like she lost some whole shot races. And those 80 and 90 reaction times have now become 40s and 50s, some 60s, depending on the round and what was needed. She got up on the wheel, and she won the race against one of the best in the business, the Phillips Connect dragster of Justin Ashley. And that's two wins, back-to-back -back wins for Brittany Force. And I think the rest of the field should be, like, wondering, uh-oh, what, what monster are we facing now? Well, the, the semifinal race was an interesting one because she won a seven-cylinder battle against Billy, where both of them dropped a hole and both of them just kind of lugged on down there and she ended up getting the better of that. And, you know, speaking with David Grubnick, he almost shut the thing off when it happened because he didn't want it to go down there and blow up. And you know better than anybody from the time you spent on the starting line, you know, hey, Dave, you ran low ET, your number one qualifier. And he's, but the blower's off of it. What, it's not supposed to do. He hates, hates hurting his race car. And that time it ended up being okay. So he came back in the final and they ended up with the win. I don't know if you talked to Dave after the race or not. He was very, very unhappy because he couldn't figure out why the car went slow. He said, I went up there to run 70 or 71. I have no idea why it ran that slow. And he said, you know, yeah, I put a cylinder out at 700 feet or whatever, but so what? He goes, it should have run. And he's aggravated that the car didn't do what he told it to. Not yippee, look at us, we won. But why did my car do that? And I think it harkens back to the old Austin Coyle quote that I have on my chalkboard over here. It's never nothing. You know, and it's, people used to have here. Let's see. Let's see this. Let's see that. Can you see that where it says it's it never yeah, nothing? Yeah, we see it. Right. Dry race. Uh, and uh, wait a minute. I got to frame up my McLeod banner back there. So, you know, Krista will be happy with me. There we yes. go. And uh, <clears throat> maybe just down a little. But anyway. Krista, who will this so, weekend, by the way? <laughs> So when his car does something and he doesn't know why, that bothers him a lot. And he wants to figure out why did it do that? Because if he doesn't know why it did it, he can't stop it for next time. He can't fix it for next time. Uh, but we talked about it at the end of last year. Brittany actually made no bones about it, that she felt like that was an area that she needed to improve. And there was nobody that could do it but her. And whether it was mental exercise, whether it's some kind of a physical practice thing, whether it's, I don't know, but she has put effort into it 
and her efforts are being rewarded. And it shows up on board, it shows up on the time ticket. And in this particular case, when the car slowed down, she was the one that made the difference. She made the difference, and that's what matters. And now she's carrying additional load. And I love Grubnik, by the way. He's one of my favorite characters out there. And Daniel Wilkerson is quickly coming on strong as one of my favorite interviews to listen to because he just says there's no filter at all. Daniel Wilkerson does not know how to filter his speech, and that is great for all of us. Maybe not so great for him, but great for all of us, and that's fine. But to Grubnik, will like he'll give you a full debrief of what's going on in his mind, where some crew chiefs will like try to hide what they're thinking. Whereas Grubnik's like, I'll tell you what I'm doing because you can't do what I'm doing anyway. Even if you try to do what I'm doing, you're not going to be able to do it, right? Like Mariano Rivera throwing that cut fastball. Here's how you do it. And they're like, Grr. so bottom line though, what a great day of top fuel racing. As I look up and down, uh, I, I think about uh, just some of the great matchups. Brittany had to run all tough competitors again. Josh Hart, Sean Langdon, Billy Torrance, and then ultimately Justin Ashley. Another race that the Capco boys did not win. Okay, it's you know five races in. I'm still, still not pulling the panic button because Steve was number one, got through Buddy Hall, Mike Salinas, and got shut down by Ju Justin Ashley. Justin Ashley, Austin Proc, what a great battle that was. Austin going red for the first time, six thou leaning on it, six thou. I know you're not supposed to be able to go six thou red in a top fuel car. That's an anticipation. But with Austin Proc, man, you never know. Uh, this is just going to get better and better as the season goes on. Any final thoughts on top fuel that need to be spoken? No, just bring on the next race. You know, top fuel has been so much fun to watch this year. And, you know, yes, there have been a couple of times when maybe we've had 15 cars instead of 16, but I don't care. You look at the cars that are there. We've got good, solid quality cars. And from round one in the morning till the final round, we've got great racing going up and down the racetrack. So let's just keep that momentum going. Exactly. Going to four wide Charlotte this week. We'll talk a little bit about that. I'm going to put the YouTube link up in the uh, chat section, guys, because uh, everyone tells me that the best way to watch is YouTube. We're on we're on the Facebook. We're in our Facebook group. We're on Twitter. But ultimately, everybody says the best, most fluid way to listen is uh, YouTube. So I put that up in the link to subscribe. Click the bell. All right. Funny car caps. Number one qualifier earns that by run the first of his career. An amazing stat that you unearthed. But he said it on the stage, right? Like, doesn't matter because next round I got to run Hagen or Force. That was the marquee nice. matchup. Ran Hagen, and Hagen uh, beat him. Dickie Venables, Matt Hagen, got through it. Hagen is able to go through J.R. Todd and get to the final round against Bobby Bodie. Bobby Bodie got through Alexis DeJoria, Cruz Patagon, and Chad Green. Kind of an all-Wilkerson-assisted matchup right there. Uh, and, you know, hats off to Chad Green. But in the final round, Bobby Bodie appeared to be winning. But he then it went, it went boom. And Matt Hagen wins. Kablooey, boom, huge. Yeah. They felt it. They felt no. it. Uh, Kablooey. I have my algorithm for blowups like you do for cars. So don't argue with yeah. me. Kablooey. Okay. Kablooey. And I uh, scattered it, obviously. Those Mustang bodies, right? Like the, that shows you the, uh, the evolution of the body and venting the explosion that is an older body and now it is gone um bobby though earning respect with his intensity and willingness to show emotion so much so that tony stewart is going to buy him a helmet <laughs> yeah i thought that was pretty cool you know bobby on on the weekend when i stopped by on friday i guess and, said, uh, and bob said you know hey it's the kid's birthday i said hey that's great i'll buy you a beer and he said, no he's not old enough <laughs> 
And then Bobby comes over and says, yeah, he goes, I'm not a teenager anymore. I guess it's all downhill from here, which, of course, See? makes you just want to smack the kid. But 20. The new is off. He's now 20. Yeah. The new is off. <laughs> he, he's not new. And you're a teenager. No more. 20 is the number. But they had a solid car. Um, and they did what they normally do. You know, you, you, we're going to come out. We're going to make clean runs. We're going to go down the racetrack. Now, if somebody else goes and runs low ET of the event in the other lane, well, God bless them. They're going to win the race. But on this day, I mean, it was a warm track. It was a, it was a sunny day. There was enough breeze that it was comfortable for the fans, at least I think. Every time when I was outside, I, I certainly wasn't uncomfortable. But the track temp was up. Uh, the Houston surface has got some personality. And so you're not going to go out there and run 480 or 384 or 385 every run down the racetrack. You're going to have to kind of finesse a little and kind of make it all work out. And that kind of falls into the wheelhouse of guys like the Bodies and guys like Chad Green and people that are out there trying to make those, you know, 395 to 40 runs all the time. Because when some of the other cars are trying to pull back, they're not exactly in their comfort zone anymore. Uh, you know, Jim Campbell picking up his first round win of the year as well. So, you know, I think the track certainly played a little bit of a role in that. But Bobby's car was running well all weekend. Uh, you know, Matt and Dickie figured it out. After after Saturday, the, the Q2, which was the warm session Saturday afternoon, I think only two cars went to the finish line. Ron Caps being one of them, and they daylighted the field. And I think that, at least in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, he's a favorite until somebody shows me he's not. Uh, when I went by and talked to Dickie, he said, let me show you something. And pulled up the run where they smoked the tires, overlaid it with one from here a couple of years ago, same condition, same kind of thing, and identical until it smoked the tires. And he was a little puzzled. He said, we weren't on the edge. We weren't pushing. We weren't out of the window. And he said, I don't know why it did that, because we should have slid down. Or he said, we weren't going to run quite as quick as Caps, but we were darn sure going to the finish line, and it just didn't happen. Uh, obviously, they figured out whatever they needed to know to get the thing to go to the finish line, and it was a pretty emotional day for Dickie. Uh, you know, his father, Dick Venables, who had passed away in December, a longtime Houston resident. Dickie blew up, grew up in Houston. He had a lot of family there, a lot of... Uh, they were running special stickers on the car, and that was kind of a, uh, a tribute to his dad who got him started in drag racing and the fact that they won it. Uh, uh, there were a, a lot of emotional people in the house over that. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a huge deal. Matt Hagen going to be on tomorrow, 12 noon, followed by Steve Johnson working on Brittany. So everybody set a reminder, just subscribe on YouTube, click the bell, or download our free mobile application for WFO Radio, and you'll get all the notices of when things happen or are not going to happen, as with the Ignition show yesterday, because I was trapped on a plane for much too long. Alan, like stuck in there, like, ah, oh, I got to get out of here. It was terrible. But uh, bottom line, huge win for Matt Hagen and Tony Stewart Racing. And, and those guys, like that team is getting stronger and stronger. But the whole funny car category, oh my goodness, amazing. I want to tip the cap to, uh, to uh, Dustin Heim and, and Jason Bunker, Paul Lee's new crew chiefing tandem they didn't get out of first round but they improved and improved and improved around 397 and the car went down there that final run and they're they're building something over there uh it was a tough run against the cruiser but in the end they're starting fresh right rising like the phoenix and to put it away without having destroyed a whole bunch of stuff and a 397 run in the heat against the cruiser good place to be as you get ready to go to z-max yeah, they're they're certainly making forward progress, and and that's important. You know, like uh, like everybody tells you, 
this stuff ain't easy. You know, it, it takes a little time. And if you're used to running a different combination or some different stuff, then uh, you're just going to have to figure out, you know, what we do with these parts, what the balance is on this car, what we're going to have to do to make it happen. I think we also uh, would be remiss if we didn't mention the ride that Alexis took. Uh, when she took that Bandero car and it smoked the tires and uh, got very sideways, pancaked the wall pretty seriously, uh, she was able to stop the thing, get out and walk away. And, and I think that is a bit of a, a testament to, you know, the way that the cockpit has evolved. Uh, I did a I did an interview a couple of weeks ago with somebody who asked me what I thought was the we, we were talking racing safety and asked me what I thought was the biggest safety innovation that we've seen in drag racing in the last 10 years or so. And I said, the cockpit, uh, the fact that, you know, everybody now has port seats or so much extra padding and so much extra, you know, it wasn't that long ago that slapping the wall like that would have had more severe consequences than what it had with Alexis. And I was grateful to see her get out of there and start throwing her equipment around too, because you know, if a driver's mad, that pretty much tells me that they're not hurt. You know what I mean? I mean, you're going to, you're going to be sore later and you're going to be feeling it later. And you, but, um, I, <laughs> There was one, one of the moments I'll never forget was when Al Hoffman crashed in the final round at Gainesville all those years ago. And this yes. was back when we still had Armco shut down uh, guard rails and not guard walls. And they blew up and it's on fire and it is hauling the mail, even down the shutdown area, burn the chutes off of it. He came through and kind of hit the cutout, the turnout in the wall because we didn't have all the gates at the time and literally barrel rolled on top of the guardrail with the engine on the racetrack side and the roll cage on the, on the grassy side was rolling on top of the guardrail. And I'm watching this all happen and I'm like, oh my God, this is awful. And once it stops and everybody converges on the car and I was among the first ones there, the car's hanging upside down on the guardrail, engine on one side, Al on the other side, and he's upside down in the car. And, and as we're walking up to the car, you'd hear Al go, get me out of this piece of sh And it's like, Okay, that was the best thing you could hear, you know, that he's mad. And yes, he ended up being busted up a little bit, but he's mad. And that means that in essence, he's probably okay. And I, that's, that's what I get, you know, when Bobby Bodie gets out and throws his gloves, when, when Alexis gets out and you can read her body language, that tells me that there's not a significant serious injury here because they're upset about wrecking the race car or upset about, you know, whether they're blaming themselves or whether they're mad about the car, I don't care. If you're mad, that tells me that you probably don't have serious physical injuries. And I like seeing that. And I also like Tony said, I like seeing the emotion. So uh, I'm not sure the, I was told that they thought there was some chassis damage on that car. So I don't know if they'll be bringing out a backup, if they'll be trying to fix that one, if they're whatever. It's a pretty short week out there, but uh, you know, they're not that far from the clutter shop. If they need to blast up there and throw that thing on the jig, or, you know, they could blast to Indy and do that if they need to as well. Just because I uh, I saw you in the Admirals Club, uh, I was hanging with Nikki. Says the chassis already uh, was yesterday was on its way up to Coletta. It needs a front half. Yeah. Whether it'll be okay. back, it'll be done. Whether we use the back half, I don't know. But that's uh, that was the status at that uh, moment. But yeah, she was mad. Those were that was rage, right? She knew knew she had hung hung with it a little too long. But this is funny car driving, folks. It's not easy. It's really hard. She wants to win. She's got uh, such great desire. And, uh, you know, annoyed that setting the team back a little bit. But they'll be back. They will 
be back. Final thoughts, Alan. We've got our Lucas Oil Series competitors. I thought it was really cool that so many. You know what I'm, do- I'm doing? I keep going to NHRA.com because I'm trying to trick the Ron Caps folks. Because, you know, as soon as we get off the air, Alan, there's going to be like some sort of a big announcement from Ron Caps <laughs> or something like this week. Like it's coming before Charlotte, but after Houston, that's we're in the window right now. And the second I click stop, that's when they're going to do the press releases. And I'm trying to beat them on this one. That's the way it always happens, but it hasn't happened go, just yet. Go to Toyota Racing's Twitter page. Yeah, that's a great place to look. Good. They they teased that it was going to drop, that something was going to drop today. Okay. Yeah, and so they're all waiting. I just, Lisa is over there. Happened, I happened to bump into Lisa Kennedy at the airport hotel, and uh, we had a cocktail and talked a little racing stuff and talked a little oh your flight canceled too yeah mine too okay so what are you gonna do what are you gonna do and uh, and so she gave me a little bit of uh, some inside scoop on some things that are going to be coming from toyota yeah she's she's great know. by the speaking of a great yeah, I, uh i addition. mean what did you turn over a new leaf since last week because last hey here's paul lee's new paint scheme and his new stuff that you know everybody's going to find out about later and now all of a sudden you're tight-lipped what i mean what well, I'm going to the page right now to see what uh, what I can find, you know. But you know what, Alan? The thing is this, is I don't want to ever, uh, and I learned this from you, right? Like to to, to rain on someone's parade. Like they, they like, like you did Paul Lee last week? He gave me permission. I was Show given a photograph by Paul Lee. I will. I have a text exactly from Krista Baldwin. Are you sure I can use this? I cover my trail, man. I know exactly. <laughs> I have I have text messages to uh to support my uh, right. evidence i do i know how to do uh, it i learned from the best man you gotta have you gotta have but i'm on toyota racing alan is it gazoo is it uh the regular toyota racing page uh i just saw something on on toyota racing's twitter the other day that said dropping news on tuesday yeah no news is gonna come whatever it doesn't matter we'll talk about it tomorrow that's why we do the show all the time because they're not gonna get away from us you drop the news today we'll talk about it tomorrow one way or another Ooh, jimmy Yates is still out there i was standing on the return road when hoffman crashed we had just won the race uh al was pissed says jim yates and there's two yeah. things you can garner, garner from that uh listeners one wfo is like the vip center of the nhra universe you got jim yates watching re, re, and i was on the top of the tower since when you brought that up me and my dad had figured out that the top of the tower uh was i recall being on the top of the tower was the place to watch and we watched that one and just a huge fireball definitely behind the starting line um and that was a nightmare because it was kind of dark and Mm -hmm. the flash and the dust and the craziness and it was like oh my gosh hoffman but um the sport misses that guy what a character and you know who told me who was it I forget who exactly it was, but someone told me that you went out on tour to learn how to tune nitro cars with Al Hoffman for a few races, just to learn how to tune the car. Uh, that that's not exactly true. No, <clears throat> no. Uh, when Jimbo Ormolovich was over there, he was their only truck driver. And on some of the halls, uh, you just can't do it by yourself. I don't care how many log books you have, uh, you know, back before the ELD days, uh, you just can't do it by yourself. And Helen, wherever we were, someplace, Helen Hoffman said to me, she said, hey, I understand you're going to drive the truck for us on the Western Swing. And I said, what? And Jimbo <laughs> said, I'll explain it to you later, Reinhardt. Don't worry about it. It's all set. And I went, okay. 
And so I did spend the three races with the team. I was still doing, I wasn't doing as much with NHRA at that time as I am now. So I did have an opportunity to spend a little bit more time, you know, with the team in between rounds, watching do the stuff and call the shots. But uh, no, I didn't, I didn't go online. I didn't go on the road to learn. I went on the road because I got drafted because I had a CDL. And, uh, well, it was Scott Graham. <clears throat> Scott Graham. I was just trying to think, who was it? And I figured it out. It was Scott Graham, obviously, who is an excellent crew chief for Pat Dakin and helps out. And, you know, Spencer Massey's going to be driving that car a lot. Maybe even this weekend. I got to check the entry list. But, um, and, you know, he was talking about how much he admires the effort that you put to learn what's going on. And he thought that you had actually gone out on the road with Hoffman to learn about Nitro crew chiefing so you could do a better job as an announcer. And I am happy to report that none of that is true, Scott Graham. Reinhardt just said it. He got drafted. Well, I, I certainly learned some stuff while I was there. But I, I was always very proud of the fact that people would share stuff with me and that people occasionally will say, come look at this and tell me what you think. Because you've been watching this a long time. You've been doing um, – and when, when Austin Coyle made his first backset manifold, I remember uh, I was walking through, I was walking into the pit one time, and they've got the cars completely covered with blankets, and everybody's like, whoa, 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 no, no. And I said, well, okay. I said, I just need to talk to Coyle. I got a question for him. And they said, well, he's in the tech center. Go to the other side. So I literally went around through the other pit, came in the door of the tech center, and I just walked in, and I said, hey, Coyle. And he said, hey, come here. And just drags me outside, picks the blanket up, goes, what do you think of that? <laughs> I said, so I guess it's okay that I can see it. Uh, but I really am proud of the fact that if I go by and ask somebody, what was that? Because next time I see it, I want to know what I'm talking about. Or sometimes I want to verify. Um, you know, this is what I said. Was I right or was it something else? And that most of the guys, I think, at least have some level of respect for me that they're willing to share with me, even if it's not great information. Um, you know, because I also will tell them, Look, I'm not here so I can say, oh, well, like, I forgot to torque the rods. But I would like to know just so next time I see it, I have some. And, and it's always fascinated me. Um, the crew chiefs in particular, uh, Jimmo is a perfect example of this. Uh, Mike Clover a couple of times, the same thing. When I'd go over and say, what happened? And Jimmo would say, I screwed up. Here's the deal. Here's the thing. And I said, okay, what I'm going to say is there was a No. He said, I want you to say I made the mistake because I don't want anybody up there thinking my crew guys missed something or somebody. I'm the one that screwed it up. That's what I want you to say. And so I've always had a lot of respect for guys that would do that because uh, and, and there's times when, you know, I'll go down there and somebody go, oh, man, it was the dumbest thing. And, and I'll say, OK, if you're all right with it, what I'm going to say is um, the ignition system uh, didn't trigger because that's really what happened. You know, the fact right. that, oh, well, the guy forgot to flip the switch is, you know, but, and he's, and they do, okay. Because again, a lot of times I'll watch something and I'll go, I'm pretty sure I know what happened, but that doesn't mean I know exactly why. Um, and of course, my, one of my all time favorites, Clover, uh, I think it was St. Louis when he had the big fireball. And Tony Pedregon was up in the booth with us. We were doing the Facebook Live thing on Friday night. And the thing had a huge fireball. And Tony said, oh, it blew up. And I'm looking at it and watching we're watching it. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't think it blew up. I mean, yes, it was on fire. There's no doubt it was on fire. And it's like, watch the replay. It had a puke tube that came off of the, of the valve cover. And so it was blowing oil out of the thing. And the oil caught on fire. But the car went 321 miles an hour. And you know, you know if a top fuel car blows up at 800 feet, it ain't going 321 miles an hour at the finish line. Right. And I said, I really don't think it blew up. 
And then uh, they talked, might have been you, talked to Mike Clover down on the starting line and said, you know, if you want, he goes, yeah, he said, yeah, I heard him say that. And I was thinking to myself, please let Reinhardt be right just this once. And I went, <laughs> oh, Mike, <laughs> painful. But I said, I, I really do, you know, I'm a student of the sport. I'm a, I'm a hands-on guy. I'm a mechanical guy, you know, spending all the time in David's shop. Greg Anderson has a sign in his shop that says, no Reinhardt zone. And it's got my name in a circle and a slash in it because I'm, you know, when I go, he says, no, he says, you know too much about pro stock. I'm not letting you walk through our shop because you might see something that I don't want you to see. Uh, you know, he let Brian walk through the shop, but yeah. And I love Brian. Don't misunderstand, but I don't know that Brian could glance at an intake manifold and go, huh, that's different than what the elite guys are running. Uh, and maybe I could, um, not that I would go running over and sell somebody secrets, but, uh, I appreciate the fact that uh, if somebody doesn't want to share something with me, that's fine. But I really, really do appreciate the fact that when I walk into somebody's trailer and go, Hey, I'm trying to learn. Can you tell me what happened there? That they'll, uh, almost always say, here's the situation. Here's the thing. Here's what happened. And then I feel like, I feel like if I can educate the fans more that they will enjoy more what they're seeing if they know what they're watching. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, one of the, one of the real fascinating things to me is, is that, you know, the nitro cars are spinning the tires all the way down the racetrack. They are never a hundred percent hooked up. They are in constant controlled wheel spin. And when I send people a graph that shows the rear wheel speed and the front wheel speed, and the fact that they're like this going down the racetrack and then after the driver takes the foot off the gas, they come back together. Uh, they kind of understand that that's really the case. So uh, anyway, there's little things like that, that I, uh, that I enjoy sharing with the fans and, you know, trying to, trying to help educate. And I Which still want to know what the middle, what the middle rate shows were for Jim Yates car on that Friday night run. He'll, he'll tell us. <laughs> Yates will tell us. Um, but you know, that's, that's, in their best interest also because the you know if the sport's going to grow we're going to get more fans we got to educate the fans it's not just about cars going fast no oh boy how fast and loud they are you want them to love the drivers you want them to love the crew chiefs you want them to have a general understanding so that they crave knowledge and find out more and so crew chiefs should be helpful to people that they trust in learning the details and what's exactly cutting edge and current so that uh, they can tell the story. And honestly, uh, they have been. All right, so let's talk about uh, the rest of the winners. Joey Severance, Doug Gordon. Severance wins again. Doug Gordon wins his all-girl team. It worked out. But Joey Severance is back in a big way. That was a, a nice uh, alcohol final. Bob McCosh, man, I feel for this guy. He's knocked at the door a bunch of times, and they're like, the door is not opening yet. But it will. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, he had a brand-new car to start the season, and – Brand new, brand new. I documented this. Oh, here is Yates first... giving you the number. 285 first gear, but don't tell anyone, Alan. That's what Jim Yates says. I don't care what first is. I know the 60 foot was slow. What was second, third, and fourth? <laughs> <laughs> Two, 285. Let's see. Uh, five, five, five oh in the back, 510 in the back. Uh, yeah, look at that. Yeah, no, that's all that. <laughs> Come on, Jim. Just tell us. It's in the rearview mirror. You're never going to that track again, Jim. Come on, Jim. Yeah, but he, but he, he may use that information again at some point in time. Um, I forgot what we were talking about. Yeah, uh, well, he's the alcohol cars. Now, too. So we've got the oh, high, yeah, gear. high gears one to one. 
What a guy. What a guy. Rest, what was, how about the tire out. size? Will they tell me that? Will they tell me the tire size? I, Yates might have been one of the first guys, and this is like back in the day when we were all running tires somewhere in the, you know, 99 to 102, 103-inch thing. Uh, Yates had some, <laughs> he had some kind of an algorithm for marking his tires. So, you know, people would walk by and say 103 and 5 eighths and go, holy shit. That's like a tractor pulling tire, but the thing was really like 99 and a half. He just wrote a different number on it. <laughs> People yeah. drive themselves inch. crazy. 16 inch tire. <laughs> He's got it figured out. These pro stock guys. The best thing that I, I heard Jim Yates ever say was he, I was hanging with Michael Heiner for a few minutes and he comes over and he starts talking and he says, like, you know, you're hanging out with maybe the smartest guy in pro stock, only he can't be that smart because he's out here with us. And uh, it, it was just Yates knows how to bust balls. That's that's uh, that's the thing about it. We're gonna have him. The on. time that I spent out there was, I mean, an education that you couldn't buy from anybody. And I really appreciated the the fact that the mantle of dumbest guy in pro stock got passed around. You know, sometimes on a on a per run basis, sometimes on a per week basis, sometimes on a per run basis. And there was never really, it's not like you needed a committee, you didn't have to count votes, you didn't have to, you know, it'd sit around and you'd just look at a guy and he'd go, yeah, I know, I'm the dumbest guy in pro stock and go storming off the right. And, and he, he was pretty much decreed that uh, until somebody made a run three weeks or three runs later. And I remember Tom Martino, that if, as long as we're going to go back and tell stories from way back in the day, Tom Martino at a Winston showdown, which would give you an idea how long ago this was, it had to be in the late 90s. He shows up and uh, I'm walking down the pits and, and I said, well, and he said, man, I shouldn't even be here. And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, I blew up all three of my race motors. He said, I got my dyno mule in the car. He said, that's the one we use to check carburetors and do, he said, that it's the only motor I got. And I said, why aren't you home fixing your junk? And he said, because I have to support Winston for all they do for the sports. He said, I was not missing this race. He said, I came down here. I come to support Winston. He said, I don't care if I had to put a small block in it. I was going to be here to do that. But he said, I, he said, I'll get the freaking dyno mule in the car. Qualified third. Uh, hadn't qualified higher than 10th all year. And so I went by and I saw him and I said, you know, Tom. And he said, yeah, I know. He said, I'm the dumbest guy in pro stock. I said, the best freaking motor you have. You leave on the dyno to test carburetors with? What's wrong with you? Put the thing in the car and go see what it, but there's just so many little silly stories and funny stuff like that. You know, it's a, the, the chocolate Myers tells a story about uh, being with Earnhardt one time, Talladega or someplace, and they blew something up testing and they blew up qualifying, they blew up, they blew up. They have one bench that says on the valve cover, do not use this unless it is your absolute last resort. It ain't gonna last a hundred miles and they won the race with it. So. Um, you know, just, just, just never know. Well, and that, sometimes and you just got to prove that you're the dumbest guy in pro stock. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about some of the other race winners out there because it was like a hometown heroes kind of day. Uh, it you was. Know, Harvey and Jeremy are, 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 are Emmons, the Emmons brothers, right? Speedy and Jerry, they went back to back last year, which, you know, the brother, brother, uh, double they doubled up last year and now they doubled back to back which to me that's got to be a crazy historic first right like has there ever been a family double back to back years at their home track like come on that's the cosmos telling the Emmons brothers uh thank you for supporting drag racing so much at houston raceway park 
No, that's uh, that's that's a pretty special deal. Of course, they've had the brother double before, and not just with those two. Uh, Gary and Jerry did it one time. Terry and Speedy did it one time, I think. Uh, they had a brother double at Indy last year, if I'm not mistaken, or two years ago. But now the brother double is certainly not new to Emmons. But for the fact for them to be able to do it in their in their backyard, it's pretty special. Uh, I'm sure they had a lot of employees out there and a lot of friends and family that were out there rooting them on. So uh, you know, good on them. Um, and I really, you know, Joey Severance, I think, as you said, he's certainly back. Uh, I think that NHRA has shown uh, or that the proof has shown that the changes that NHRA made in the offseason, which was a pretty minor thing for the A-Fuel guys, didn't cost anybody any money. Uh, but it did bring their performance back a little bit, even though that 515 on the scoreboard was pretty impressive stuff. Uh, I think, though, that now we've got you know, much better parity in the class than we had before. Uh, Doug Gordon certainly looks like he's on a pretty good run right now. I was a little surprised that the killer bees weren't there, but, uh, you know, Doug, if you show up and you beat everybody that's there, you deserve to go home with the trophy. And that's exactly what they did. They've got a great race car right now. They've got great momentum. Uh, so uh, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, it's their plan to get the number one back on the side of that car by the end of the year, if they can. Absolutely. And uh, hometown heroes. Okay, Greg Campplain wasn't, but, uh, you know, Keith Purvis and Chris LeBlanc, Chris Arnold, Mark Jones, Mike Holcomb. Uh, Erica made a big deal about it. Courtney is out there watching. What's up, Courtney? Thank you for checking in. Uh, You know, these are the people who really made this track what it is, the locals that are there even when NHRA is not there. And they were able to go and all get in on the final win. Plus we had some summit racing out there with uh, Chris Galitti, Jay Robinson and Slade Urbina uh, doing so well. It just, you know, if you're going to write it up final race at a facility, the locals, the ones who are the backbone of that facility, Erica, obviously getting in on that final win for everybody to remember. And it seemed like the crowd really appreciated that. They did. And the crowd certainly came out to support their racetrack and say goodbye again. I think it bears pointing out that the racetrack is not like being plowed under tomorrow. Uh, it is still going to run its slate of events for the rest of the season. That has been announced. Uh, it was just that it was the last NHRA event. I also think that, uh, you know, they've got the street outlaws that are coming in there in a couple of months. And I think that'll be uh, that'll be a, another show that will fill the place up. Uh, one of the things I talked to Seth about that he was pretty proud of is their street legal nights that they're running. And if I'm not mistaken, I know for a fact they're running one this Friday. And I believe he said every Friday in May they're going to do it as well, where, you know, no race cars, no slicks, street legal, bring your car. I don't care if it's a, you know, a Nissan or a minivan or a, a dually pickup, bring it out, run it down the racetrack, you know, race your neighbor, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> so that I think is a, a pretty special deal. Also that deers the racetrack to the community because it gives people that want to go out and test the cars, a place to do it. That's not on the street. Absolutely. 100%. Alan, great job. Really appreciate the effort here on this show. WFO Radio. We've got so many people out there watching. And uh, get ready for Charlotte. So let's preview four wide. We're going to have a little four wide factory stock showdown. I'm super excited to see a Dodge, a Mustang, and a couple of Camaros or some combination of that. Wheels in the air, charging hard, seven-second runs. Uh, four wide, the final four wide race of the year. Brittany Force and others looking for the sweep. Yeah, it should be a good event. Just give us good weather, and we will take it for there, from there. You know, the, the racetrack itself is spectacular. Uh, all four lanes are great, you know, with the safety safari, with the work that they put in. And Greg Walter and his staff are, are amazing people to work with. So uh, hopefully, as they always have, that the fans in the Charlotte area will come out and support us as we blast off four wide. And then we kind of start getting into the teeth of things. Looking forward to it. Yes, exactly. And just a, a quick shout-out to Mark Jones, who – 
asked me for a WFO sticker. He's like, you got any stickers on you? I was like, amazingly, like a miracle. I really do. I have some stickers on me. He go, Here you go. And he put them on the car. And I always get a little nervous about, you know, changing the car because I'm superstitious during eliminations. And it clearly worked. And he went to the final round and he won Vortex Superchargers top dragster. Look how many, look at the stickers he's got on this car, Alan. Not too many. Racers for Christ, yeah. WFO. And he goes on and wins. And he says he listens to the show every week and all other drag racing podcasts because they're in landscaping and they're out there just like mowing the lawn, literally hour after hour. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Mark. And great to you know hang out with you at uh, you know Lupe Tortilla at the track moment. And uh, he put a sticker on and clearly it's somehow related to the victory. Right. Right. Can't hurt. Can't hurt. Or maybe it can. Who knows? But it didn't in this case. Alan, great job as usual. Thank you so much. I'll see you at the track. Really appreciate it. All right, Joe. Travel safe. I will talk to you soon. Jim Yates, call me. I want to talk to you about that, uh, that gear ratio thing. Just call me. Yeah, we need, we need the numbers. We need to know about the VP <laughs> lubricants, Jim. We need to know about all of it. Thank you very much, Alan. There goes the voice of the NHRA. Alan Reinhardt joins us each week right here on WFO Radio. All right, everybody, put your comments in the comment section. Here's what we're going to do, okay? we got a bunch of stuff to, to go, but, uh, you know, we've also got to hustle through this next 10 minutes, okay? Like, I want to hear predictions for ZMAX. This is one of those back-to-back weeks. It's very difficult. 12 noon tomorrow, we've got Matt Hagen, we've got Steve Johnson, and we're going to try to connect with Brittany Force. It's going to be tough, but, and then it's traveled as Emacs. Hopefully you're going to be going and you're going to be up there before we get to your comments. I want to tell you about the people who make it possible for me to go WFO, like our Patreons, for instance, the VIP listener club, patreon.com slash WFO radio. You can find everything at WFO radio.com. But these people, they pay like a little membership each month to get additional and behind the scenes content, right? Patreon.com slash WFO radio. We really appreciate them. But our sponsors like Marvin Rodak. If you like coffee, if you're one of those gourmet coffee people, call Marvin 817-924-6821. Coffee blends for drag racing fans like Bang the Blower, like WFO radio, like the Nitro Joe Morrison blend. All available, plus hot sauces and spice rubs and everything that's great. Grills, tools, tips, information in Fort Worth, Texas. The guy's been on TV because he's a grillmeister. 817-924-6821. Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, the Dragster Adventure, where you can drive a dragster. Is it going to be as quick and fast as Mark Jones? No. But is it going to be good for you to jump in for the very first time and have a great experience? Yes. Courses start at just $399, which I think is kind of ridiculously low. But that's me. The idea that you get a half-day experience for that price. Go to frankhawley.com. Tell them you heard about it on WFO Radio. It was great to see. Brandon Bakey's make the final round with a Sam Tech car, samtech.edu. Brian Massengill was out there. He and I got to talk for like 10 seconds, me and Massengill. It's a busy weekend out there, but it doesn't change the fact that if you're looking to get involved in engine machining, cylinder head machining, uh, you know, dyno testing, CNC programming, motorsport EFI, and you're looking for that foundational education, samtech.edu is the place to go. Absolutely. Appreciate those guys. Frank Hawley, Marvin Rodak, Sam Tech, but also VP Racing Fuels and Lubricants. The big news of the weekend, Camry Caruso has got a unique and special oil that was made specifically for Titan Racing Engines and her program provided by VP Lubricants. We hear all those other oil companies out there 
And what the Caruso family has done is kind of create their own universe of knowledge, which is really smart. And you wonder why that car is so quick and fast. It's because of the folks at VP Racing Fuels. Go to the website, vpracingfuels.com, if you want to support WFO, if you want to support them. They make fuel additives for your car that is available out there in your local auto parts store. And uh, that is the best way if you're a racer, obviously we're going to have Freddie on to talk about, you know, C12 and why their fuels are better and more refined than certain others. But uh, go to vpracingfuels.com. Our great friends at Phillips connect.com. Now a regular citizen can't just go to Phillips connect and buy sensors for their race car trailer. It's more of an enterprise business. But if you're in the trailer industry, if you have fleets of trailers, if you sell fleets of trailers, this is something you're going to want to educate yourself about. Or if you've got a business where you've got over-the-road trucks and trailers, uh, there are sensors available that are going to keep your drivers and loads safer, whether it be you know cargo-loaded versus empty sensors, tractor-trailer pairing sensors, uh, wheel sensors, tire pressure monitoring sensors, and it keeps you safer over the road, which is, you know, what is it? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Think about your guys off the side of the road um, not making that money that way. Phillips-Connect, and of course, congratulations to Justin Ashley for making the final round. Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. We have got a podcast Greg Anderson is the most recent guest. It's called Hidden Horsepower, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and they're all over social media, including YouTube. Check them out. Total Seal. Uh, Paul Lee, FTI Performance Transmissions and Torque Converters, FTIPerformance.com. We talked about the Spring Fling Million and the guys who went out there and flew the flag for FTI and made the final round. Dot .90 racers, big money bracket racers, bracket racers in general. If you want the competitive edge, Go to FTIPerformance.com. Tell them you heard about it on WFO Radio. Super excited about all of these sponsors. Let's see. And if you want some free stickers like Mark Jones, go to the website and get this address, and I will send you some. I'm about to make a run to the post office real soon. Not today. I got things I got to do today. Let's see what everyone's got to say. Pro Stock is not running in Charlotte, which is why we're not having Erica on this week. We're going to push Erica, Erica back a, a week or two um, and connect with her closer to the next pro stock race when this is all sunk in. But we're going to definitely connect with Erica Enders. Uh, definitely. But no pro stock. Pro stock, is, they have the shortened schedule now. And they ran the Vegas four wide, so they're not running the Charlotte four wide. That's the way it kind of works. All right, here's a prediction. Angie Smith, Mike Salinas, Cruiser, and Stevie Fast. Yeah, super excited to have ProMod back. Antron Force, Greg, Breakthrough, and Funny Car Pro Stock, Steve Johnson repeats. Boy, Steve will be super excited. We are going to speak with Steve. He revealed a whole bunch of stuff in the media center that I've got to share with the WFO universe. So 12 noon tomorrow. Steve Torrance, Ron Caps, Erica Enders, Karen Stouffer, Jose. Okay, no Erica because Pro Stock's not running there, but I get your point. Point taken. Karen Stouffer getting back on top. David Barton. I like it. Angie Smith, Erica Enders, Mike Salinas, Cruiser. Highly entertaining shows today. Thank you, Lonnie. I'm not at my best today, guys. Of course, we get the huge audience. Why did we get a bigger audience today? Who knows? There's no reason. We're here every week, multiple times a week. On this given day, the numbers are through the roof. Why? I have no idea. Could they tell that Joe is a little under the weather? Yeah, probably. Let's see this guy struggle through. That'll be fun. Who cares about the racing? Let's watch a guy who speaks for a living struggle. It'll be great. We didn't have an ignition show either. Chad Green wins his first funny car race, says Andrew. Andrew, I like it, Andrew. Where you been, Andrew? Andrew? Chad Green is doing better and better. I hung out with those guys a little bit. They are. The Wilkerson teams doing better and better. And his son, Hunter, 
Awesome kid. Monica, always a great show when you and Alan talk racing. Yeah, we do talk racing. Thanks, guys. T. Wordburn. Looking at photos from the weekend, I noticed the SRT branding on Ron Cap's car on the Sunday photos is not there. Let me check NHRA.com. You know, they always do it, man. Wait for Costello to get off the air. Wait for him to get off the air. Is he off the air? Release the news. But it doesn't matter because I'll be back on tomorrow. It's like uh, Friday. They tell me to shut up. I shut up. But then I start talking again. Pinched nerve, some fun side effects of that. Oh, people are asking what's up with Courtney. Why did she have that bandage on her shoulder? And the Courtney's doing her own show in the chat section, which is great. I showed up on the Drive That Bitch Back video. Okay, guys. Chris Monahan, great job, Chris. Chris was our third announcer out there this weekend. He's a local to the Houston community and, uh, you know, like good person, which to me is the number one thing. Not that everybody isn't a good person, but they're not. And Chris was just hardworking and determined and friend of the racers and just great job, Chris. Thank you. Great hanging out with you. Street nights almost every Friday, Space City Showdown, et cetera, et cetera, and so on. Let's see. Why can't we have just one more NHRA event? Well, you know, who knows? Who knows what will happen? I can listen to Alan Bentrace for hours. Please do a podcast of your own, says Lonnie. Yeah, he should. Chris Holcomb getting his first win in hometown. I used to wear him out at HRP. <laughs> Courtney, like, yeah, yeah, that guy who won. Yeah, I used to kick his butt all the time. I have no doubt, Courtney. Why don't we get Courtney back in a super comp car, guys? Can we start that movement right now? Courtney race super comp or super gas. Like, I want to see Courtney race. Like, that would be really fun. The Emmons boys are best in the beer business, period. And I want to keep up with the uh, things. Let's see. Get Courtney over to the YouTube side. Uh, Evening Joe from the UK. It's you, Kev. What's up, you, Kev? Festival of Power was good. Thanks for the shout out. WFO Universe is growing. It certainly is. Everybody loves Courtney Anders. It's true. Everybody loves Courtney. This should be a show. At home, grinding on the phones. I'll be back out at the track soon. Focus on our partners and the new ones coming later on this year. Sorry you're under the weather. Feel better soon. You know, everything's relative, man. I'm not complaining. It's just a statement of fact. And on that note, all right, guys, here's the deal. Tomorrow, tomorrow, 12 noon Eastern, Wednesday, 12 noon Eastern, Matt Hagen. We're going to talk about this win for Tony Stewart Racing and how big a deal it is because of the Dick Venables tie-in. The Dick Venables tie-in. Dickie was out there in Gainesville. That win was for Tony Stewart. This win was for Dick Venables. And Matt, you know, he got his brand. And he said, you know, if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. And I appreciate that. Hagen is such a character. He's such a good character for our sport. And I say it all the time. And honestly, this is one of the reasons I started WFO Radio over 10 years ago. And if you're just finding us, welcome. It started as a podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. We encourage you to listen to the podcast. Not everybody can be watching a screen. We love our audio-only listeners. You guys are the best. But here's the deal. NASCAR's got its own channel and multiple television shows and multiple everything. The characters in drag racing are just more intense people. Think about the Matt Hagans and the J.R. Todds and the Steve Torrances and the Ron Caps and the Jim Yates. We need a place 
for them to be showcased. And that's what WFO was all about. So if you're a first-time listener, new listener, hopefully you'll check out our archive. Like us on Facebook. Join the Facebook group. But really, I'm pushing the YouTube channel. It's all about the YouTube channel. Subscribe, subscribe, click the bell. And on our website, WFORadio.com, you can go there. You can check out the WFO store. Get a little swag. If you like Formula One, I'm going to be checking out the Formula One race in Miami. And I've been posting a lot of behind-the-scenes photographs of the track up on my Twitter feed. WFO Joe. And I'm super excited to head to Charlotte this weekend. So if you're out there in Charlotte, woo, we'll see you there. Thanks to Alan Reinhardt. Thanks to Mark Jones. Thanks to Stan and Sheila. And everybody who was so kind to me out there in H-Town. See you tomorrow. WFO.